Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are so grateful that each Sunday you welcome us into this holy space to offer our worship and praise, to receive your forgiveness and have conversations through prayer. Thank you for the gift of your holy scriptures and how they've already edified us, built us up, Allow us now, Lord, to ease our mind and open our hearts to hear what you are saying this day so that we, your children, we, your disciples, may leave here fed, nourished, hunger, no more, but equipped for your good works. And, O oh Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. The text for today reminds us of our call as people of God and the foundations on which we were built upon. It reminds me of a story of a, a little girl. She was the child of one of my pastors in my later years, so in my late 20s, early 30s, just before I went into ministry. She was two years old and she'd gone into a department store with her father in December. The lady who was the cashier came to her, knelt down and asked her, was she excited about Christmas? A good 40 feet smile burst upon her face. Her little fist balled up and she began to do a little dance and she said, yes, I'm so excited. The cashier, thinking that she understood the child's excitement, asked her, her name was Alexandria, Alexandria, why are you so excited about Christmas? And she said, excited because it's Jesus' birthday and we get to give him presents because he is the divine and he loves us 
And this is our chance to show him how much we love him. So I already have three ideas of what I'm going to get Jesus for Christmas. When I saw this witness, as the pastor told this story of Alexandria, I knew what the cashier expected because I expected a Barbie, a cup, or something like that. For a child to understand and know that in this season, where culturally we celebrate Santa Claus visually and tell young children that it's their chance to make a laundry list of all the things that they want, that this pastor in his raising of this child had planted in her mind a clear understanding that Christmas was not about her, but it was about the recognition of the gift of the Christ child, and that it was an opportunity for her to witness to someone about who Jesus was, not to make a list of her wants, but an opportunity to show who the Messiah was to her. I think that's the crux of this, this gospel text that we have and the reading from Isaiah is teaching us to know from where we come and what that means about who we become. The idea of recognizing the gift of the Savior and the beginning of our church through the gift of Peter. The invitation to be like Peter and to have a response ready when someone asks us about our faith or life compels us to show it. It might not be so simple of a question as Jesus asked in that moment, but I guarantee you just this past 24 hours, you have had opportunity either to point to the Messiah or to shoo people away. You have had the opportunity to show love and faithfulness and mercy and grace or to be self-centered and unkind. That the idea of proclaiming who the Messiah is goes about to the rest of the world through the evidence of our daily lives. I don't know if you've ever met someone who did not practice what they preached. They said one thing and did another. This is a holy invitation for us to know who the Messiah is, to be able to articulate and emulate the way of the Messiah, and to look for opportunities throughout our daily lives to share that. To let someone know who's never heard the words that Jesus died for them specifically to show them the grace and the mercy in the face of possibly unkind or violent ways of being, to do the opposite of what culturally we have learned to do, to, to punish for inappropriate or offensive behavior instead of showing them the grace and the love that God shows us every day. Jesus is asking these disciples, his, his inner circle, to articulate what, who they believe he is because the rumors are fast and furious. There are people talking, time to decide whether he is the embodiment of a previous prophet coming back to life or is he something different? Is he someone that's up to trickery? There are all of these rumors going around. 
And I imagine in this season of your journey as a church, there are rumors that that go around, that distract you from the mission of God. And what Jesus is trying to show us, what Peter is trying to show us, is that we have a foundation in the Messiah that was carved out by God's holy hands. And nothing, nothing can interrupt the move and the power of God. Just as in this moment the disciples are having this intimate conversation, I want you to pretend that I'm at your house, you fixed me some tea or coffee, you've gotten me something sweet to eat, and we're just chewing the fat. We're just talking about life in general. I ask you, I say, well, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with Salisbury. Can you tell me if I needed to get my car repaired, who should I go to? I bet in an instant, many of you would say, well, if you go down to this place, they have this guy, he's real honest, or if you go to this place, they have great prices. You would have all of these reasons and rationales for me to go there. If I ask you about other things, shopping for groceries or clothes, that that immediately there would be a response because you've had to work this into your way of being. But far less often, if you look a Lutheran in the eye and ask them who the Messiah is, will they respond immediately? Not because they don't know, but they think they have to have the perfect answer. No matter how clumsy or seemingly inept your response might be, you are a witness to the Messiah. And by sharing your witness, the will of God goes forth. That is, that more might know and turn their hearts to Christ or those who believe might be further encouraged and empowered to go out and be a witness to the world. That there's no wrong answer so long as you open your mouth and allow the words to come out or so long as you show in your behavior the love of God. That you can embody forgiveness and grace and mercy in how you encounter this world. But I hope even beyond that, beyond simply being kind, that you do find the words that flow out of your mouth and that you are intentional in your getting up to prepare yourself for opportunities to share the Messiah. Opportunities to see your neighbor, your friends, or even your enemies as those who are asking you, who is this Messiah? And then your response comes out just as excitedly as you would about the coupon you found in last week's circular. To tell them the Messiah is is my Lord. The Messiah is the one who died for me. The Messiah is why I no longer have to worry about sin. The Messiah is the one that's up at three o'clock in the morning when I'm missing my mother who passed away or a loved one or I'm worried about the, the doctors, what he's going to say when I come back. The Messiah is the one that's always there and going before me and is just behind me. The Messiah is the one that loved me so much that he came in the vulnerable form of a baby and faced this ugly world, put on flesh and felt my pain, put on flesh and faced sin for my sake so that I might know the joy of salvation with God. The Messiah loves me when I mess up and I do it every day. 
The Messiah loves me when I do well and I get cocky about it. The Messiah loves me when I do the righteous thing, the right thing. The Messiah loves me at all times, and the Messiah loves you. And is desperate to have a relationship so that you can feel it every day and to discover your holy purpose. As we celebrate the founding of our church on this day through the gift of Peter, understand that you too are called through the waters of baptism for a holy purpose in God's kingdom. It might look different in different seasons of your life, but God is always talking to you. Whenever I hear someone who talks about not being able to hear God or that God's not speaking, I, I encourage them. God is always speaking. Sometimes we get hard-hearted or we turn off our hearing so that we can't hear it. But God is always calling you and commissioning you to be the body of Christ. So as you think about this next season, as you, as you think about who God is calling you to be in mission and imagining what your next pastor will look like, I want you to cling to that understanding that it's, it's not about a particular style or personality, but it is truly about listening to the Holy Spirit's urging and listening for who God is calling you to be and asking God to show you the shepherd that would help you to reach that goal in this season. That God is up to something grand, that, that there have been some good years, but there are many more to come. And that you are the witness, you are the ones that are going out showing the Messiah and letting everyone know that they are a part of God's holy family. Grafted in through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That they are siblings and heirs of God's holiness and you would love for them to come in so that they might know their holy purpose and live out their baptism, live out their faith in the way that God intended. Jesus helps us to understand that, that even if the world says many different things about our faith, that we understand it only through the Holy Spirit's guidance and his example, that the possibilities, the, the notion of being reconciled with God only happens through this story, and it is our gift, it is our privilege, it is our baptismal commission to go and tell it and to show it and to be it. One of my greatest senses of accomplishment has been in the gift of my own son, Oftentimes, I would hear him articulate his faith, and, and especially when he was a smaller child, and I was like, I don't know where he learned all of that. <laughs> but I know that he understands the notion of love and sacrifice. I know he understands the, the power of being a witness and being an example and pointing always to Christ and not taking the glory. So as he just turned 30 on August the 10th, we began to celebrate who he was and we looked back on his baptismal video and tears came streaming down my eyes as my godfather, the Reverend Joseph Walker, spoke hope and light and love over his life, calling into being who he was to become and as I watched it, I remarked because he said Joshua will be much quieter than her mother, or maybe he was rebuking me, I don't know. 
But he said, Joshua will be much quieter than his mother, but he will live into his name. He will allow others to see the love of God through him, and he will stand for them. And I have watched him over the years stand against injustice, raise up, and be the, the bright light of Christ in a place where so many people needed to hear it in a gentle and easy way. I say that to encourage you to not think, I need to have the voice of a preacher or be able to pray like someone else, but that God is calling you through the waters of baptism to share with the world. So each day when you wake up, say this prayer, Lord, how might I point out the Messiah today? How might I point out the Messiah today? How might I be a witness to who the Messiah is in word, actions, and deeds? Amen.